0: Thank you, worship team, for bringing us into the presence of God. Thank you, everybody, for coming. We appreciate your presence. We appreciate you being here. Now, the majority of people here are young and healthy, so I'm going to ask you to help me today. There is a game that you see a lot online, um, the kids who watch it a lot, is Would You Rather, right? You guys ever play that game, Would You Rather? All right, so you're going to help me this morning. Um, basically I give you two options and then you choose the option that you would like better. And, um, and so, for instance, would you rather eat pizza for the rest of your life or burgers for the rest of your life? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's now, now, don't be too smart. Like we're not going to make you actually do that. All right? so let me see your hands if you're more burger for the rest of your life. All right, let me see pizza for the rest of your life. Okay, I think I, I didn't count, but pizza looks like they won. Okay, let me try another one. Um, would you rather Haitian food for the rest of your life or Chinese food for the rest of your life? Chinese! You're in the wrong church, young lady. All right, let me see. Uh, Chinese food, let me see your hand. Haitian food, let me see your hand. Amen, amen. all of that. All right, would you rather have... A good reputation or be rich like nobody else? All right. All right. If you'd rather be, I have a good reputation, let me see your hand. If you'd rather be rich, let me see your hand. All right. Some honest people in this house, okay? Would you rather visit the day you were born or the day you will die? Would you rather visit the day you will be born? Or the day you would die? Let me see your hands if you'd rather visit the day you were born. Let me see your hands if you'd rather visit the day you will die. All right. On any given day, would you rather go to to a party or would you rather go to a funeral? All right. Now, I know this is a Christmas season, so if you'd rather go to a party, let me see your hand. If you'd rather go to a funeral, let me see your hand. And so, as you guys know, we are in this study of the book of Ecclesiastes, which we is the search for meaning, the search for purpose. Um, and the passage before us plays a little bit of that game of would you rather. It is... Um, But the answers are not necessarily those that we would naturally choose. So please follow with me in Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 1 to verse 14. Ecclesiastes 7, verse 1 to 14. A good name is better than fine perfume, and the day of death better than the day of birth. It is better to go to a house of mourning than to go to a house of feasting. For death is the destiny of everyone, the living should take this to heart. Frustration is better than laughter, because a sad face is good for the heart. The heart of the wise is in the house of mourning, but the heart of fools is in the house of pleasure. It is better to heed the rebuke of a wise person than to listen to the song of fools, Like the crackling of thorns under the pot, so is the laughter of fools. This too is meaningless. Extortion turns a wise person into a fool, and a bribe corrupts the heart. The end of a matter is better than its beginning, and patience is better than pride. Do not be quickly provoked in your spirit, for anger resides in the tap of fools. Do not say, why were the old days better than these, for it is Not wise to ask such questions. Wisdom, like an inheritance, is a good thing and benefits those who see the sun. Wisdom is a shelter as money is a shelter. But the advantage of knowledge is this. Wisdom preserves those who have it. Consider what God has done. Who can strengthen what he has made crooked? When times are good, be happy. But when times are bad, consider this. God has made the one as well as the other. Therefore, no one can discover anything about their future. Father God, please speak to us this morning with the power of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, Lord, we pray. Amen. And so the author lays out kind of a would-you-rather game where he compares reputation versus riches, right? So if we go to the first verse, it says, um, a good name is better than fine perfume. Now, what we understand about those times is that spices and perfumes were very expensive, right? You had wars that were fought over the control of spices. I was reading recently, um, did you... Um, do you have any chef here, any cooks that use nutmeg, right? You put it like maybe in your chocolate or, or whatnot. Well, did you know that there were wars that were fought over nutmeg? Like in Indonesia, like civil war broke over the control of that, of that aromatic spice. When the wise men, since we're in the Christmas season, came to Jesus, they, they brought what? They go, gold? Okay, I can understand gold, but also frankincense, which is what perfume and myrrh. So these items had a lot of value in those days. Uh, when the lady came to Jesus and washed his feet and, and, and poured perfume, they, they 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 evaluate, they estimate the value of that perfume to be a year's work. So when in the passage it says a good name is better than fine perfume, they're not, you know, talking about some cheap knockoff. It's not even um, uh, Gucci, anybody like Gucci. It's more expensive than Gucci, right? Uh, And having fine perfume was a sign of riches. So he's getting to reputation versus riches. We live in a society, I know a lot of you said reputation, but Let's face it, how many people, if you look at our society, give up reputation for riches? Hollywood, anybody? Think about what Hollywood got to do. You ever watch shows nowadays? They're all vulgar. All for what? For money. While we do a lot of things for money, gangs fight in the street for what? For money. People get arrested day in day out. Why? Because we all want to get money. And so in our society today, we value money more than we value a good reputation. What goes into a good reputation is what is character, right? It's character. So we oftentimes make the wrong decision for money, but what we really need to be focused on is character. Because character, believe it or not, can open doors that money cannot open. Character can get you places that money cannot take you. And yes, with money you can enjoy for a time. But with God-given character, you can enjoy for eternity. So reputation, if you have a choice between the two, you choose reputation over money. But then he proceeds and he says, and the day of death better than the day of birth. Second part of the first verse. And I have to admit, this is kind of hard for me because I'm an optimist by nature. Right? I'm an optimist by nature. I, I see roses and violets are blue and all that's That's how I, I run through, through life. And if you ask me, but I, I'd much rather go to the day of, of, of birth, where everything started and the flowers and all of that, than the day of death. But we have to look at this from the mindset from the biblical mindset of uh the Bible is not necessarily concerned only about the here and now, right We are concerned about tomorrow we are worried about tomorrow, but God is concerned about eternity, so please jump with me in second corinthians five verse seven to ten where the apostle Paul kind of expresses that same Wish where he says, pretty much, I would rather visit the day of my death than the day of my birth. He says this, for we live by faith, not by sight. We are confident, I say, and would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So we make it our goal to please him, whether we are at home in the body or away from it. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each of us may receive what is due us for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. And what I want to bring to your attention is, uh, for the Christian that serves God, the day of death is happier than the day of birth. Because, so when we... Come into this world, uh, most times every child that is born brings joy to the parents, right? Just, oh, look at them! And then they proceed to grow up and bring <laughs> pain sometimes, right? Amen. Amen. And, and that was us too, right? We, we, brought, we brought pain to our parents sometimes as well. I remember, I won't tell you what I did, but I did some one time, two times. My dad was pissed. Like, pissed, pissed, pissed. You know when when your kid does something, you're you're a certain level of pissed? He was that level of pissed, right? So sometimes we do bring pain to our parents. But that pain is, it's it's temporary. Now, when, when we were born, but if you live your life according to Christ, When you die, it's actually a subject of joy because you pass to the other side to Christ. And he says here, Paul says, you know what? I would rather be away from the body, meaning I would rather be dead. Why? Because Paul had a revelation that was so profound about what it was on the other time, on on the other side, that he couldn't wait to go there. You ever plan to go on a trip and you look on YouTube and you look on those places, oh, Hawaii, oh wow, it's going to be so nice, and now you can't wait to go there. And Paul, that's how it was because God gave him a revelation of how it was on the other side. And he's like... Yes, I want to serve God here, but if I had my choice, I would be away from the body and present with the Lord so I can go in front of him and hear him say, come my faithful servant, well done. So in that context, the day of death is better than the day of life. Because in that context, the Bible says, is out of the body, present with the Lord. And that's the best thing that could happen, is that you be in the presence of God. And so, in in that sense, the day of death is better than the day of, 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 of birth. Because what, what happens is when you, you're born, but then you go in the ups and downs of life, right? You go into ups. Sometimes you're in good times, sometimes you're in bad times. Sometimes you're on the mountaintop and you and God is there and it's all fun. But sometimes you're in the valley and you feel alone. You're not alone. God still sees you in the valley. But once you you fulfill your purpose on this earth and you're in the presence of God, then it's all good. Yeah. Can you imagine if you have a disease, no more diseases. If you have eczema, no more eczema. If you have high blood pressure, no more high blood pressure. If you can't cook, but over there, all the food is all good. And it's all Haitian food, amen. Okay, maybe a little Chinese, I like Chinese too, but. And then he goes in verse 2, he says, It is better to go to a house of mourning than to go to a house of feasting. Which is kind of weird. He says, uh, so you ever heard of a wedding crasher? You ever crashed a wedding? You know, you you weren't, and now it's hard. Back in the day, you weren't invited to the wedding. You know, when the weddings were in the basement of churches, now they're all in fancy places, but back in the day, they they they, they used to have um, the weddings, you know, in the church, and and you could come and and you crash. You ever crash a wedding? You ever crash a party? You know, back before your Christian days, you show up. But you never hear somebody crash a funeral, right? You never hear somebody wake up on a Saturday. And say, you know what? Let me find a funeral of somebody I don't know so I can go there. It is not in our instinct to go. We want to have fun. You know, we're like, well, who's who saying that? Cindy Lauper? Girls just want to have fun. That's how we are. We want to have fun. We, ha- we want to have uh, pleasure. But he says, for some reason, he says, it is better to go to the house of mourning than to go to a house of feasting, for death is the destiny of everyone. The living should take this to heart. And, and I pondered on that passage, even from years ago, why would he say it's better to go to the house of mourning than the house of feasting? I'd much rather go to a Christmas party than to a funeral. When I was um, back in Montreal, we had um, a young kid. He was seven years old. Um, friend of the family, seven years old. Went to the beach and he had a heart attack at seven. They went like on the church trip and heart attack at the beach. He had a heart problem that they never discovered. And at seven, he was he was he was gone. And I remember I was at the funeral, I was in my twenties, so that was not too long ago, amen. And, and I was there and I was thinking to myself, why him? Why do he have to go? You know, I lived longer, why not me? And I don't have the answer to that. And though I don't have the answer, I have the response. The response is, I'm going to make full use of the years I have left for God's glory. I cannot control when I'm going to leave this earth. But I can control while I'm here what I'm going to do. And what happens is when you're in the house of mourning, you have a time to reflect. what, What you don't do at a party is you don't reflect. At a party, you just have fun and you just act a fool sometimes. You, you know, crack jokes and you're having fun, but you're not reflecting about the deeper things of life. You're not reflecting about the deeper meanings of life. And one of the casualties of our time is I think we're losing deep thought. We're losing the capacity to think deeply about things. Why? Because we're always on these things, right? We're always on these devices. And and scrolling and scrolling, and that is a representation of the house of feasting because we get pleasure for some reason, like a brain, science, whatever, with the dopamine of YouTube and Twitter and Instagram and Facebook and seeing what other people are up to, uh, yada, yada, yada. Uh, uh, You know, by the way, would you rather Samsung or iPhone for the rest of your life? iPhone. Let me see your hands. Okay, y'all, y'all need to repent. Get out of here. But we, we, we have constant sources of pleasure. Constant. If it's not streaming on Netflix, if it's YouTube videos, it's cat videos. It's it's. But we don't take time to think deeply about life. We don't take time to think deeply about the Word of God. Think about the time that you spend on those platforms versus the time that you spend studying the word and studying uh, the meanings behind the words. Right? I'm not talking about just reading. I'm talking about understanding the meaning behind it. And so the house of mourning is better than the house of feasting. And in the house of mourning, I want you to understand, it's not only like a funeral, it's everything that requires effort. It's everything that might not be pleasant now, but that will bear fruit in the future. You see, we, we like things to be done fast and like, um, instant. But there is a process that God is taking us through. Like, um, you ever heard the expression, pay now, play later, play now, pay later? You'll see in life, if you take the shortcuts early in life, you'll pay the consequences later in life. If you do the hard work now, you'll bear... Um, you, you you'll bear the positive rewards in the future. For instance, if you go with 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 financial as an example, and you want to buy things, and guess what? You get them on credit. You get them on credit. You get them on credit, right? Um, and Christmas is coming, and in this culture, the American culture, there's a lot of gift buying that happens, right? But you ever bought a gift, or you bought a trip, and um, or and sometimes, unfortunately, people get married and it's all on credit and before they're done paying the credit the marriage is over <laughs> amen no not amen that's not good um, before you're done using the gift the gift is, is gone but you're still paying for the gift the trip lasted two weeks but the payment lasted two years amen anybody a lot of you are in school, right? And, and, and now the uh, season of finals happen. Uh, the house of mourning versus the house of feasting. You have a Christmas party or you have your study for your finals. Which one you choose? Right? How many times, you know, we, we party, we party, and then, oh, snap. the exact, and, and, and trust me, I'm guilty. If I graduate, and trust me, it's by the grace of God. <laughs> it's not because of discipline. It's by a it's miracle of God right there. It, it, it's God saying, I will not. Punish you according to your iniquities. Because if he punished me according to my iniquities, I wouldn't have graduated. Amen. But the house of mourning is to go study when you rather would want to go have fun. I remember, I still have post-traumatic stress of that. They put an exam when I was in college on December 23rd at 6 o'clock p.m. Who does that? Who does that? Who puts any... I mean, I went to school and all day, I'm like numb. I'm trying to study because I have to study, but I don't want to be there. I don't want to be there. But I have to because if I want to graduate, I need to pass the class. But in God's grace, I still pass, right? And now, living the fruits of grinding it back then. If you do the hard work now, you get the benefit later in life. In that sense, the house of mourning is is better than the house of feasting. And sometimes we're not understanding that we are, if you are a child of God, everything that happens in your life is designed and on purpose by God. Nothing happens by accident in your life as a child of God. You know, it's that song that Torrin Wells has. It says, you know, uh, he's the God of the hills, but he's the God of the valley. But in both situations, he's always there. And so follow with me in James chapter 1, where he says, he explains that the house of mourning is, is a process, right? He says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. And so... The the house of mourning, meaning the hard times that you go through, meaning the, the 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 sometimes you feel like you're going through you're going through a crusher, right? You're going through a compactor. Things are hard, and and sometimes it's almost like all you ever notice, like all the bad things happen all at once. You know, when, when, when the doctor tells you something is bad, that's also when the bank is not right, which is also when the car broke down and everything happens at once and you feel like you're being compressed and you're being packed and you're, you're being crushed. But here he says something that is contradictory. He says, consider it all joy. Well, I don't feel good, God, and I ain't happy right now, but he says, still consider it all joy because When you go through trials, when you go with tests, you know what's funny though? When you say trials, you know that the word the word for temptation, trials, tests is all the same in Greek. It's all the same thing. So whether you're being tempted or or you're 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 going through the grinder, it's all you're being tested. And what's being at test is your character. So maybe you have a conflict, you're going through a conflict right now, and you think, oh, they're trying me. No, they're not trying you, God is trying you. Trying, God is trying to form your character. God is trying to form who you are on the inside. See, we're worried about the outside. We're worried about how we look. We're worried about how what people think about us. But God is worried about what you become. And here he says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. And so God, God's goal for for you in, 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 in your life is so that you may become mature. And, and the word for maturity is, is to be complete, it's, it's to be full. It's um, kind of like, If you have a child, right? Well, there's certain things that a child cannot understand. You know, like like my son tells me all the time, Daddy, why are you going to work? Don't go to work, stay home. Trust me, I got to go to work or you ain't eating, bro. (laughs) But as a child, there's some things that you don't understand. Now, I don't know how old you are, but in, in, in God's, we're all children. So all, we all have things that we don't understand. We all have things that we, we haven't. But with the trials, with the situation, God is molding you to become mature, to become complete, to become a, a grown spiritual man and a grown spiritual woman of God. And that's when you go through trials, a lot of times we say, God, why? And that is the right question, but it's the wrong motive in the question. Right? We say, God, why? Because we think it shouldn't be us. But we should say, God, why? So we can more faster, more quickly get to the product that God wants us to get. There is a man in the Bible, his name was Job. And Job, you know the story, Job, Job was... Balling, like he was, he was rich. He was, he was the man. Actually, you know what? It's like, Job was like the other Job, right? Steve Job, right? He was, he had money, he had a family, everything was good, and he was serving God. And one day, God decided to test him, right? And God decided to test him, and he, so, so the devil came, and, and they're having a chat, and God says, Did you see my servant Job? There is no other man like him on earth. He serves me like there's no other servant. So God shows like, oh, I'm impressed with Job. And then Satan says, well, yeah, of course he's serving you. You gave him everything. You ever look at somebody that got everything? The guy looked good, he's healthy, he got he got money, he got his family right, everything is right. Yeah, you give him everything. Take away that stuff and see what happens. So now the test begins and there's several steps to the test. But bottom line, God says, you can take everything from him except his life. And so the devil comes and he takes everything from him except his life and his wife. And then if you know the story, the wife comes and she tried to pressure him to abandon God. said, why are you still serving God? Why are you still serving God? You should abandon him. And I think it's at that moment she was being used by the devil because she was trying to get him to fail. You know there's some people God put around you to bless you, but God's not the only people sending people around you. Amen. I I felt that amen came from deep. Amen. But make sure that you're, if you're here, that you're the one that God sent, right? Make sure that the tongue, the stuff that comes from your mouth is from inspired by God, that you're always an encouragement to other people. So Job finds himself where he lost his money. they took away all his money. He lost his family. His children died. Can you imagine not burying your, your child? Not one, not two, like all of them. They're all gone. And then his health, his health is gone. Like he's he has like uh, pus like all over his body, and and the dogs come and they try to lick him. Like he's he's done. And his friends come to him. Now imagine like he's he's done. He, he, you see like the, the 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 guys. Imagine you're 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 homeless, you're healthless, you're hopeless. Like he got nothing. His friends come to encourage him, and they ask him, Job, what did you do? Only reason why you're down is because you committed sins. Repent. And he's like, guys, I didn't do nothing. I didn't do. And they go, and, and that's the whole book. It's back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And he's like, no, God, I didn't do. I don't know why God is, is putting me through this. I don't know. And until he comes to the end, and God steps in. And God steps in and tells the friends, you know, you guys put my servant down. He's my servant. If he doesn't pray for you, you're all in trouble. You know, if if somebody's putting you down right now, if somebody's attacking you or, or whatever, you don't have to fight back. All you have to do is stay close to God because God is the one that's going to fight back. All you have to do is stay faithful to God. You don't have to worry about everybody that's talking trash in your life. You don't have to worry about everybody that's putting you down in your life. And I don't know who they are. I don't know your story. If somebody's trying to put you down, somebody's trying to uh, discourage you in your walk with God, you stand firm and you stand with God because God is the one that will take your defense. God is the one that fights for you. So at that point, at that point, uh, God says, okay, you know what? I'm going to give Job everything back. Now, Job had to pray for, um, for his friends. He prayed for his friend. Don't hold a grudge. He prayed for his friend. But he's like, God, why would you do that to me? So God had to give him a lesson and say, Bro, were you there when I established the earth? No, I wasn't there. Were you there when I set the limits of the sea? Were you there when I set the limits of the sky? No, I wasn't there. It, 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 see, the problem is sometimes we look at ourselves and we think that we're God's. We look at ourselves and we think that God is here and that we're right here. You ever killed an ant? Whoever killed an ant? Whoever killed an ant? Do you know that the difference of power between you and the ant is nothing compared to the difference of power between you and God? The power of God is so much more bigger than us. So, Job had to realize his place in the universe. He had to realize that, you no, know, God doesn't make mistakes. God is, is righteous. And hear what, what, what Job said to God. Job chapter 42, verse 1 to 5. He said, Then Job replied to the Lord, I know that you can do all things, no purpose of yours can be thwarted. You ask. Who Who is this that obscures my plans without knowledge? Surely I spoke of things I did not understand, things too wonderful for me to know. You said, listen now, and I will speak. I will question you, and you shall answer me. My ears had heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. My ears had heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. Job was a faithful man, but in all of his faithfulness, he only heard. The equivalence is like, he only heard about God. He only heard about God, not knowing him. And I feel that's for, for a lot of us, that's, that's where we are, where we, 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 we believe in God, but we believe in God like we've heard about him. Well, God is taking you through a process because he doesn't only want you to hear about him. He wants you to know him and to have seen him, right? And so the process that God is doing, he's molding you for on the inside for a purpose. Number one purpose that God is molding us for is self-control. Self-control. We go back to our, uh, our Ecclesiastes. If we go to verse nine, he says, "What? Do not be quickly provoked in your spirit, for anger resides in the lap of fools. Do not be easily provoked." Now, in our society, you know how we roll, right? You ever go to, to the store and customer service is not right? What happens? No, no, you no 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 no. No more patience. No more self control. No more. And that's how the world rose. But you as a child of God, the Bible says, you need to have self-control. So he says, do not be quickly provoked in your spirit for anger resides in the lack of fools. And so the house of mourning is is hard, but he bears fruit for the long term. The, the, the house of feasting is easy and, and, and it's expedient. It's the right here, right now but then there's a cost to pay in the long term. How many times you get angry because of something that's happening now, but we get angry for little things. We minor on majors, right? Or we major on minors. We, we make a big deal out of something that's small. And how many long-term relationships are damaged or even destroyed because of short-term problem? Because of a short-term situation? Parents don't talk to children, children don't talk to parents, spouses are at at odds for small things, for little things. Relationships that are meant to last a lifetime are strained. You ever see a a grown person that's, yeah, I have a dad, but I'm not talking to my dad. I have a a mom, but I'm not talking to my mom. Relationships destroyed because of short-term problems. That we make big deals out of it. Because it has to be my way! If it's not my way! You ever been there? Do not be quickly provoked in your spirit for anger resides in the lap of fools. So number one goal is to self-control and humbleness. The number one reason why we get angry is pride. Proverbs says it's because of pride that we keep on the fighting. But then, it's good, taking you through a process so that you can have strength for today and hope for tomorrow. Verse 10 says, and yes, that's from Moody Radio. If you ever listen to Moody, their slogan is strength for today, hope for tomorrow. It says, do not say, why were the old days better than these? For it is not wise to ask such things, right? And then, we, when we go through bad times, we, we tend to look back. But God doesn't want you to look back. He wants you to look forward. When you're driving a car, you'll notice that the the window, the windshield is wide so that you can see forward, and then the rear view mirror is small so that you can only peek back, right? You not you don't look back because if you look back, you're gonna crash. And a lot of times we we when when we're going through something, we're looking back. And we're not looking ahead. But God doesn't want you to look back. You cannot go back in the past. You cannot change 2018. 2018 is gone. 2020 is gone. You can only look forward. You can only look to 2023 and forward. But understand this, that even when you're going through what you're going through, God is preparing you for the future. He is the one that's giving you strength for today, but he's preparing you for tomorrow. You know, some of the trials that you go through today, some of the different things that you have to deal with is because God is setting you up for what he's going to ask you to do tomorrow. You know, there's some some things that people go through. I can't counsel them because I did not go through it, but you will be able to because of what you're going through. If you have financial problems, Yes, you can talk to somebody that never had any financial problems. But would you rather talk to somebody that was there but got out of it and can tell you how to get out of it? If you ever lost a loved one, do you want to hear about, to, about from someone that never lost nobody? Or you want to hear from the one that's been through your pain that can understand what you're going through? So what is weighing on you today, what is hurting you today is going to produce a fruit that's going to allow you to be a blessing for somebody tomorrow. So what God is having you go through today, he's going to give you the strength, but he's preparing you for tomorrow. And that's what brings to number three, which is the most important, which is you're going what you're going through so that you can set your eyes on God. He says in at the end of our, of our, of our section, verse 13, he says, Consider what God has done. Who can straighten what he has made crooked? When times are good, be happy. But when times are bad, consider this. God has made the one as well as the other. Therefore, no one can discover anything about their future. So when things are good, yes, go have fun. You can have fun. We're not telling you not to have fun. Have fun. You can party. Godly party, right? Holy Ghost party. Yeah, I've been, I been I don't go on social media. There's a reason for that. But party, Christian party. Have fun in Christ. But and and that is from God. God has said that for you to um, Paul says God has put some stuff for us for you to enjoy. You can enjoy life. You can enjoy what God God has given you, money and joy, have fun. But understand this, that when you go through a hard time, that hard time is also from God. And God also allows you to go through hard time. So he's a God that allows you to have great riches, great fun, great times, but also sometimes trials. Because those trials... They they produce in your fruit. And so at the end of the day, whether you're in good times and bad times, what do you do? You set your eyes on God. So when I'm on the mountain, I don't forget the God who put me there. So when I'm on top, I don't act like I made it on top by myself. I don't act like, oh yeah, I'm so smart. That's why I'm on top. I understand and I give humbleness. Uh, with humbleness, I give glory to God. That's why when you reach, and that's the one thing with good with Hollywood, right? Whenever they get their awards, they say what? I like to thank God. There's a one thing good. I like to thank God. Because that's the right thing to do because you don't get to the top on your own. You don't get to the top because of your own skill. Who gave you the skills? Who gave you the breath that allows you to use the skills? So why are you acting like it's you? It's all God. It, 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 it's funny. We had um, for Labor Day, we had a little party at my job, and this girl, she sang. This lady, she sang uh, the national anthem. I was like, "Whoa!" Like it was good. Like, like almost Whitney Houston good. No, not okay. Okay, I take that back. They're not Whitney Houston good. Like, uh, you know, but really good, really good. Kelly Clarkson good. Amen. Not quite with measure, but you know, very, very So I, I asked her, like, where'd you learn how to sing? No, nah, I'm Jamaican, that's all we do, right? Like she doesn't she didn't learn, she just said a gift. Some people they just have to give, they can just like sing. Me, if my life depends on I love singing. But if my life depends on singing, it's over. <laughs> like I said, like, God take me home, right? But who gave you the gift? It's God. And when you're in the valley and it could feel lonely, it could feel like you're alone. You're not alone. Because God says, I will never abandon you. I will never forsake you. So he's with you even in the dark times. It, it, when I walk through the valley of shadow of death, I fear no evil because you are with me. Because you're there. Jesus says in, 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 in John Chapter 17, verse 3. And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. When Jesus was about to leave this earth, he made a prayer. And that prayer to his father lets us know what is important to him. And he says what? He said, this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God. Understand that what God wants in your life, and worship team, you guys can get ready to come. What God wants in your life, he wants you to know him. All that you're going through at the end is for you to be able to build a relationship with him. Let me ask you, when you're on vacation in the Bahamas, how much time have you spent praying? When the bank is calling and they're going to take the house, how much time do you spent praying? When, when things aren't right, and, and, and obviously we don't wish that on anyone, but we all, even me, when things aren't right, that's when I pray more. Right? That's when I spend more time with God. Understand that the goal of of, of, of the trials at the end is for us to be closer to God. And now, in in later in this passage, it gives us another would you rather, right? So we said, would you rather the house of mourning or the house of feasting? He says, verse 14, verse 17, he says, I have given them your word and the world has hated them for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is that you take them not out of the world but that you protect them from evil, from the evil one. They are not of the world even as I am, I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is the truth. And at the, so the, at the end, The goal is for us to be sanctified. It's for us to live godly. We live in a world. If you watch what's outside in the world, they're crazy. It's crazy. And, and maybe you don't pay attention because you're, you know, you're busy watching Netflix or whatnot. But if you pay attention to what's going on out there, they have reached some level of corruption that is beyond understanding. That you cannot understand. And God said, Jesus says, I'm not going to take you out of the world. You're going to stay in the world. So now you're going to have a choice. Are you going to choose the world? Or are you going to choose the word? Are you going to choose sin? Or are you going to choose the savior? Are you going to choose what they have to offer? Or are you going to choose what Jesus has to offer? And, and I know, and we, a lot of us are raising kids and, and I'm going to tell you a little something. Private school ain't going to protect your kids. Only God can protect the kids. Only the Holy Spirit of God can protect the kids. And guess what? Only the Holy Spirit of us can protect us. Because we're not perfect. We're not impervious. So what are you going to choose? Are you going to choose the world? Or are you going to choose Jesus? And my call to you this afternoon is choose Jesus. God bless you.